Wasn't it lovely? 2020's gone. <laughs> it was shiitake. That's why I wrote this song. I hope we don't get sued for using that melody. This is the very first <laughs> Jan Arden podcast of 2021. I'm with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. Caitlin is still pregnant. Yes. Um, I feel like because the passage of time goes so slowly that you've been pregnant for three years, but it really is only the normal amount of time and you've got about nine weeks to go. Yeah, I've got like nine weeks left, which is now because I think Christmas eats up so much of your time and mental energy. And I was really looking forward to having some some time off from work. So it was a, a, a marker. And now that it's over, I really have to think about all the baby stuff there is to do. And it is a lot. <laughs> it is a ton of preparation. Um, and I'm so a type A personality. What did, they, so. what, did, what did the pioneers do, Caitlin? What did the pioneers do? They they just kept working in those fields. That baby would come out. They would probably take the umbilical cord and just chuck it across the road. <laughs> a crow would pick it up and, and they would just be... You know, bringing in the sheaves. Bringing They'd probably in the sheaves. Be, they would probably be dead at my age. <laughs> well, that's true. You you probably would be a grandmother by now because Caitlin totally. is a whopping age of 36. Yeah, that's, 37. Oh, my God, 37. I just forgot a year. <laughs> 37. Well, we, we all do. My mom was like 63 three years in a row, but she, she came by it honestly. <laughs> well, am I 63? She really had no idea. And plus, she didn't know what her na- real name was. You know, we always called her Joan, but her name was actually Mary. I said, Mom, what part of this story did you lose track of your name? Well, I don't know. I didn't see the birth certificate. I had no idea. And it was Mary Joan, but she said no one ever called me Mary. But I didn't know it was Mary at all. Anyhow. That's um, funny. My first name is Mary, and I go by Caitlin. Really? That's cool. Okay, well, you two are... Yep. We're made for each other. You and my mother. I go by Caitlin, but my, both of my grandmother's first names were Mary. So my parents wanted to keep the, the lineage of Mary as a first name, but they actually wanted me to go by Caitlin. So my full name is Mary Caitlin Alexis. Okay. This is, this is, this is how it is. It's a beautiful name, but this is how this sounds to me. Yeah. um, His real name is uh, Peter, but we call him Dale. Okay. <laughs> totally. It just it's just those stories. Oh, I joke that Mary is my like good side and Alexis is my evil side and Caitlin is somewhere in the middle. Oh, I can just you guys are like a dynasty episode. That's I can right. just see you guys brawling in the dining room taking down the chandelier. There's so much <laughs> to talk about. I mean, I feel like we could do a recap of 2020, but I feel like we've been recapping 2020 <sighs> all year long. So True. I think there is, there's a lot of relief here. Um, 2021, I'm sure a lot of it is psychological, but as promised, we are going forward with a vaccine that is circumnavigating the globe presently. There's two different vaccines out there that have been approved in most countries. Um, Canada is severely lagging behind. I know Ontario is trying to catch up. I heard oh. news a few days ago of them trying to really get going. They literally are behind the rest of the country and the whole country globally is behind. Canada is behind the rest of the world. And we need to know that we always think we're so, Oh, Canada, rah, rah, rah. But I'm telling you, we're way behind the rest of the world. We are so far behind and Ontario has pooped the proverbial bed so (laughs) terribly 
we have this retired general who his name's Rick Hillier, who is supposed to be in charge of the vaccine rollout. And he went and did the media rounds uh, earlier this week saying how, you know, we made a real mistake by closing down the old vaccination clinics for five days. Oh, eh? really? Was, really, general? Like, you think? Like, do you think COVID just tucked itself in for a This is a priority. Nap? Like, it didn't take a break. So why would we have taken a break? Now, the guy who's the head of University Health Network, one of our biggest health networks here um, in the city, also said, you know, our, some of our workers were really burnt out. And that's why we gave them a few days off. But many, many, many healthcare workers are publicly saying, I would have worked 24 hours straight on Christmas Day to get these vaccines out. I would have volunteered. I would have jabbed people. Same. I would have been like, tell me what to do. Does it go into the balls? Where does this thing go exactly? <laughs> Where does this thing go? Uh, I handed out Tang. I would have done up the back of hospital gowns. Like, So this is the thing. So I think now that we've screwed this up, although I would just love it if once ever – at least I can speak for our province, we were, we were proactive instead of reactive. And that I think has plagued us. We're always behind the eight ball. We know these things are coming. Our experts scream about them. And then we go, you know, we get premier <laughs> self-proclaimed premier dad gets up and says, well, friends, it looks like we have to I'm like, can we just do this in advance <laughs> for once? Can we see this coming it, it, for once? It does. It makes you wonder who's running the world. Um, oh. Spain, Spain's doing something interesting. And I'm really curious to get your, your guys's take on this. <laughs> uh, Spain is going to be keeping a registry of people who don't take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a public thing, but they are absolutely taking a registry and they are sharing it with the rest of the EU. Uh, so I think border controls and things like that. And I do not blame them one bit. It's mm -hmm. like looking at a chart of two mice making 20 mice and those 20 mice making, and, and in the course of a year, there's something like a million mice. I'm not kidding you. So this is what COVID is. Any, anybody looking at a chart, I, I know they used matchsticks for a while and pushed one little lit match out of the way to stop it, Yeah, to, you know, to stop the spread. So, because people need basic graphs, as you know, they need something really basic <laughs> to look at. Um, what do you think of keeping a registry in Canada for people that don't take the vaccine. Because listen, going to concerts, going into movie theaters, seeing art, I think we have a right to know. And yeah. we, we shouldn't be around people that do that. I think they, there should absolutely be a card. And I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not saying, you don't have to get it. And I'm not saying it should be mandatory. But if you do not take it, in my opinion, sorry, you don't get to go see ABBA. You don't, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I'm with thoughts. you. I'm with you. I'm with yeah? you. That's, yeah. I mean, I realize, you know, I, I understand people are going to say, hey, it's an invasion of my privacy and it's none of your business and you do you and I'll do me and don't worry about it. But I mean, considering the severity of this. Uh, yeah. And it's not public. It's not like you're being right. published to the newspapers. This is more along the line. And you can't tell me, you know, that, that it's not important to keep the population safe. But I guess the. Um, Caitlin, I want to, I want you to weigh in on this. Cause I, I really want you to know what you think. Well, I think it's like, I mean, as with anything with, with your personal health information, like number one, it's going to be kept very safe. Like it's going to have to be like HIPAA compliant. They're going to have to 
do all their, you know, appropriate work to make sure that this is for internal uses only. It's not, like you said, it's not going to be published in the newspaper. You're not going to be walking around, you know, with a, a an A on your head for, for being, yeah. you know, a sc- scarlet letter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's because, you know, it, it ultimately is a personal choice. Um, and so, so there is that to take into consideration. It is a massive public health issue. Uh, like so many things, it's a contagious, a highly contagious virus in some cases. And, um, they need to know the government needs to know, they need to know who has had the vaccine. They need to keep track of it, frankly. Uh, and they just need to do that for basic public health information. It, it, it isn't, it's one of these things that I think is probably like everything now, unfortunately going to be politicized. But yeah. it's it's simple stuff. It's like you keep track of it. You know, if you don't want to get it, you shouldn't like if you decide not to get it. I don't think you should be ashamed of not wanting to get it because that's your personal choice. Right. And so but you should know. But you obviously. have to understand you can't go on an international flight. You can't go on a domestic yeah. flight. Like I feel like, yeah, there's going you live your life, but it's going to be pretty local. And it may be it may be temporary because I think like many other vaccines, once we do reach that herd immunity level, um, the people who then, haven't got haven't gotten then, the vaccine, right. their freedoms might return. Um, but you know, all you have to do is look at the cases of German measles outbreaks that happened in Europe once all of the um, once everyone's vaccines expired because you do have to get boosters. And yeah. because of the anti-vaccination sentiment and the concerns around vaccinations, a lot of people didn't re-up on their boosters. So when those boosters expired all at the same time across Europe, you saw this massive outbreak of German measles. And um, they do have to protect against those types of things happening again, throwing us into lockdown and throwing us into economic crisis. So the government has to be responsible and some people won't like it, but that's just too bad. <laughs> well, it, it is about like striking some kind of balance. I... Uh, listen, my hands in the air. I know I'm way at the back of the line to get vaccinated, but I um I so I'm looking forward to getting it done and mm-hmm. and kind of moving on with my life. I just um like I said, this whole year has just been well. It's 2021 now. Let's see what happens. I mean, it's obviously looking a lot different because science has come to the rescue, and it, I still am gobsmacked by that we have a vaccine after yeah. 10 um, it's it just really is a human miracle we're vaccinating the planet mm-hmm. the cool thing is like the so the Pfizer uh, vaccine really helps to it, it it reduces the severity of symptoms such that should you contract COVID it's not such a big deal there are lots of promising studies being done around the Moderna vaccine to show that this one actually um, helps reduce transmission altogether, which is a, which is great. And so, and this one is the one that doesn't have to go into that deep freeze, the Moderna one. And so they can do things like take it to the long-term care homes and vaccinate people there. You don't have to move them to take them to the storage facilities where they're keeping this Pfizer vaccine at really cold temperatures. So even as we're going along, it's changing from vaccine to strain to vaccine strain. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch. And again, a lot of people, when they hear us say, oh, this came together in under a year, they would go, well, that's why I don't want it because it can't be safe if it should take, it quote unquote should take well, 10 years. Well, you brought to- this up, Caitlin, that, that yeah. this research has been going on for years since SARS exactly. and MERS. So yep. a lot of the, the baseline research that they started with were for um sorry i'm so sorry i have a Mitty bunch wants, of deer Mitty i have wants to chime in Mitty's like get vaccinated get vaccinated 
Uh, but you, but you, you, you brought that up, Caitlin, that, you know, this, yeah. this stuff's been going on for a long time. I, she's barking because there's now uh, a two deers on my deck. Oh so, my gosh. Midi, no, we're not, we're just, we're not going over there. I know. And I hate to admonish her. Uh, listen, we're going to be back. I'm going to go deal with my dog and the deer. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast with Caitlin and Adam, and we shall return. We're back with the Jan Arden podcast and show. Yes, it's two in one, folks. You're getting a podcast and a show. Um, some cray cray stuff going on in the world. And we have to talk about this because Caitlin and I have been discussing it for the last couple of days. And it's the Hilaria Hillary Baldwin uh, Spanish accent extravaganza. This woman was born in Massachusetts. And I hope I said that right for all our American fans in Boston. And um, she's married to Alec Baldwin. And um, recently, as like in the last couple of weeks, she was exposed by people that went to high school with her in Boston, claiming that, listen, this woman is not from Spain. She doesn't have an accent. She was raised the same as I am. <laughs> it's been really funny to watch unfold. And she's even gone so far. Uh, she's a, a TV personality. She does some, some cooking segments. And I'm not sure exactly what the, um, the, uh, <laughs> The premise was, but they were talking about vegetables and the word cucumber came up and she's like, what is the word? But here, Adam's going to spin the, the uh, clip and then we'll come back and discuss. We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say it? Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have um, red pepper. So what'd you think of that, Caitlin? This is, this is my favorite story of the holidays by a mile. I just love it. It's so entertaining. We all know that person who lived abroad for, you know, a year and came back calling the subway in Toronto the tube or referred to their apartment as a flat. Like the person who picks up the accent within two seconds of being anywhere. And like, it's fine. It's harmless. It's one of the more harmless things you can do in life. But let's be honest, it's cringy. It's cringy. It's annoying. It's posery. People don't like it. And you should expect to be roasted for it mercilessly <laughs> you are one of these people why do you think people uh, assume these cultural identities and and how did she go so long without anybody knowing about it so you know she she's married to a celebrity you'd think that tmz or some of these people would be digging up that you know alec and i want to raise our children you know spanish and english you know to be true to my culture and you're you're listening to it going wow this is this is what kind of bonkers stuff is going on in a person's head? And you remember in the last 18 months, probably going back two years ago, there was a woman, gosh, her name escapes me. And maybe you guys can write in and tell us, but she was claiming to be an African-American, a black woman. Rachel Dolezal. Yes. Yeah. There you yeah. go. And we've, we've talked about her on the show briefly at the very beginning. And she literally claimed black heritage for her career. It was a big point in her career because she talked about, um, African-American issues. And she God. was a professor at a university, correct? No, she, she was, I don't know if it was a professor, but I mean, maybe she was at like DeVry or something. <laughs> I don't know what she was up to. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, maybe DeVry will not sponsor us now. Um, but yeah, so she was, I mean, this is a, a white woman claiming to be a black woman and, yeah. you know, 
anyway, it's just I bizarre. always think it's people who want to seem more interesting in some way. Um, there were, of course, now you get into the real TMZ bloggy type rumors that said um, Hilaria, Hillary, whatever, was very aware of Alec Baldwin and someone had informed her of um, him striking out with Selma Hayek. So a lot of gossip columns started saying, oh, well, she was doing it to try to be more attractive to Alec. I don't know if that's true. But what is <laughs> definitely undeniable is that she has, over the course of a decade, been captured on every single <laughs> platform possible, faking an accent. Like, it is one thing to say, I pick up a little bit of a muddled accent here and there because my family has has historically spent time in Majorca, right? Like, we have a home there, whatever. That's what she's claiming. It is another to pretend you don't know the word cucumber in English on Good Morning America. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, and of now all she's words, cucumber, cucumber. How you say how you say this in English? A cucumber? I'm like, give me a break. And now she's trying to play the victim, which I cannot stand. She should have just waited for this to pass. Let everyone laugh at you. Go away. It's frankly hilarious. You got called out. And Has Alex said care. anything? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he had to pipe in. And I thought there has to be like, I did not think that she would be giving him a run for his money in the crazy person department in that household. But apparently so. <laughs> and he posted this big unhinged kind of takedown of you know, what he thought was social media. And he has some valid complaints and he's a smart, talented guy, but he tried to defend her. And I think it's like, put the shovel down Baldwin household, like just back away from this and move on because it's funny. It's just funny. You can't blame people for laughing at it. There's tinges of a Canadian couple in there somewhere. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> how would you like to be Patula Clark right now? And the song downtown and let me just explain a little bit. The explosion in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, which oh, was yeah. horrific on Christmas Day. Uh, he was in a motorhome, this guy that was apparently a suicide. They're still unraveling the details of it. But on the loudspeaker, first of all, he was telling people to get out of the area, which on some weird level, I appreciate. Because I don't know if I would have believed that walking around Christmas Day evening, listening to a van going, please clear the area. Then he starts playing Petula Clark's downtown. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. This was the song that was playing through the speakers when the bomb went off. And I'm just thinking of all the branding in the world to have your song associated with that kind of a thing is if that were to happen to me, I know this is a stupid thing to say. There's much bigger things going on, but I used to love that song. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I'll ever listen to it again. It's just changed everything for me. Like what people can do. Obviously the man didn't have rights to use music for anything, but especially no. for something like that. Well, I mean, and also too, I, I didn't even know that detail actually about the story, to be honest. I feel like the story has... You know, A, it happened over the holidays, so a lot of stuff is kind of lost in the holiday mix for people. But I do think it hasn't been covered the way, let's be honest, it would be covered if this guy wasn't white. That's my honest oh, take on it. You're not wrong. I think because, this would be a completely different narrative had this yeah. been an African-American man. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I still think it's a form of terrorism it to is. do something like this in a public place. and. I don't know why when people go to, and I, and I when they go to. Well, they're also shying away from calling him. Like I saw a couple of people who were, you know, commenting on a journalist, commenting on it on Twitter saying, you know, why won't 
XYZ publication, just call it what it is, which was a suicide bombing. Um, you know, why are they shying away from it now? If the investigation is still ongoing, that's one thing, but he did die. That's what they believe now that he died in the, in the explosion. Well, there was pieces of him. They found little yeah. pieces of him that they did the DNA on. Like there was nothing yeah. left of the guy. Yeah. So, so now they know that they like, you know, he was, it wasn't like it was an empty van. Um, so the, as a result, I didn't even know that about Patula Clark. I didn't, I don't feel like I know the details of the story, the way that I would maybe know all the details of other stories. I don't see it being covered in, in the same way, um, this time around part of it, again, could be Christmas, could be the people are sick of bad news, but, um, we're going to come back with yeah. good news, sexy news. Ooh, You're listening sexy. to the Jan Arden podcast and show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Where did you guys go? What did you guys do when we were gone? Where, where, what, what was happening? Because we were gone. I don't know. On the podcast, when you hear it, there's no break in between, is there? It just rolls straight through. Right. But the radio station version, there'd be a commercial break. The radio station yeah. version, if you're, if, yeah, if you're hearing that, there was, there was a commercial and we were just hanging out. I've right. had some people want, like, ask and say, like, well, why are you guys, like, why do you take a break sometimes? You say, we'll be back after the break. And it's because we, we do, we air on terrestrial radio stations. So we have to format the show to suit radio clocks, like commercials and all that jazz. We're a very big show, ladies and gentlemen. We're very, <laughs> we're not just podcasters. We are on the actual radio. You can hear us like across the country on, just turn your dial and find us on Saturday or Friday nights or Saturdays. When is it on Adam Friday nights? I think Saturdays. Sat- I, I'm not sure of all the affiliates, but definitely Saturdays. I think even Sundays, maybe, maybe yeah, Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think Friday nights, but I could be wrong. Well, all you have to do is hit that subscribe button and you don't even have to worry about it because your phone will remind you, you have a new Jan Arden podcast episode to listen to. Here's something to ponder. We all watch shows these days and television, let me tell you what, has been huge for all of us the last year. Like huge. We've, we've streamed everything. I, there's all those uniques or sorry, memes of going, well, I'm done Netflix. What, what, what's <laughs> to watch now? Anyway, so there's a new show on Netflix called Bridgeton and it is takes place in like 1813 and it's about society girls parading themselves and finding a mate you know with men in London anyway there's some really really racy and I'm talking about inventive like out of this world love scenes romantic sex scenes and they talk to the cast about it um, and they have an intimacy coordinator have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, yeah, I have heard of that. Yep. That's well, wild. I didn't. I, when I read the words, I'm like, an intimacy coordinator. I could have used them in like the late 80s, like, <laughs> really, for a few things. But they have someone coming in, like, to work with these young actors mm-hmm. of coordinating every kiss, every caress, where the camera's going to be, how to cover up the bits, how to make it, you know, and, I, and they're just wild. Like, it, it's almost like fight choreography. And I'm, yeah. uh, so I'm watching this show now on Netflix and it's sort of, I, I cannot stop thinking about the intimacy coordinator having a hand in all of it. So I'm watching for all these things. Like when the woman gets flipped over and this happens, I'm like, whoa, it's almost like, what did they do this on? Like foam mats when they first tried doing it all? <laughs> I've heard of the show. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of the show. They serve a really important purpose on sets actually. And it's funny that you bring this up because of a show I really enjoyed 
um, this year was one called I May Destroy You. And it's centered around um, yes. sexual assault. Yeah, I love this show. God, do I love this show. And, and it's centered around sexual assault. And one of the questions I, I, was, I was watching in an interview with the cast. And um, so one of the questions was to the, to the leads was, like, how do you deal with this and not have it upset you? How do you not take a rape scene home with you at night? And it's the intimacy coordinator. It is treating it like it's a job. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah. And it, it, it works even when you're not dealing with sexual assault. So like a lot of women on set over the years have talked about how their boundaries were pushed when they were doing sex scenes or they'd felt like people tried to get onto a clothes set so they could see them naked. Like a, a lot of really exploitative behavior in Hollywood. <sighs> and these intimacy coordinators create professional boundaries they make sure that all the actors are comfortable. They communicate with the directors. They ensure there's a closed set. So it's actually it's such an important role. Um, and it's so cool that they are doing it in shows now. I mean, I'm sure they do a little help with, you know, like, do you guys remember the scene in Love Actually where they have the the light, the, the couple that gets together um, and they meet on set when he's like, they're both lighting stand-ins for a porno? <laughs> huh. Oh, that is the funniest. They're, they're standing there doing... Yeah you know, things that <laughs> the actual porn actors will be doing, but they're having delightful, co well, we should really have tea sometime. There's a lovely place down the road. If, you, if you'd if you like to after work, oh, that would be lovely. <laughs> they're just, they stay true. I mean, how people like that end up in those roles is beyond me. <laughs> um, so I'm sure there's a bit of what you're talking about, Jan. Like I, I would love to imagine <laughs> that it's like a like a, the, the sex equivalent of, of a stunt coordinator like Bruce Lee kind of yeah, thing in, in star wars you know this big fight scene okay well you take your arm and you throw it down well i had never heard the term until like uh, just really super recently and and mm -hmm. it made sense to me because i think the question when i started acting like two years ago on the show i had very little experience and the first season i had like a big makeout scene with this beautiful um indigenous man uh, on on a tour bus and, you know, it was nothing. There was no nudity or anything like that. But I was so scared and nervous. Yeah. And I had talked to some of the other actors, like, what do you do? What kind of discussion do you have? And, and uh, my friend Danny Kind, uh, shout out to Danny Kind, who's on Working Moms, plays Anne on Working Moms. She said, you literally go up to the person you're doing the scene with and you say, what is acceptable to you? Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? Like, do you want to go full on tongue when we're kissing? Do you want to put your hands on my buttocks? Like what's happening? So here's me. I march up to this. I got to find out his name. A Adam, can you find out just season one? Yes. Some of the, the, I'm, I'm, go um, I'm Googling it. I am DBing it. Oh my God. He was <laughs> the nicest guy. Beautiful, tall man. I see him in so many things and I can't believe I can't remember his name. Anyway. Um, so I just went up to him and I said, listen, how do you want to do this? Like just full on kissing. And, and we did talk about it a little bit, but I didn't have an intimacy coordinator, mm -hmm. but we had to do that scene. I'm going to say 10 times because there's different camera angles and it's me throwing myself on his lap <laughs> and like kissing him really hard. And my <laughs> mouth and my like jaw was sore afterwards. And he's married. He's got, like a beautiful wife. And, and when I saw him at the screening, I, I, I'm sure I turned 40 shades of red because he was there with his wife and she was like, Jan, this is, 
this is blankety blank. And I, I was just like, Oh my God. And I don't know how actors do nude scenes. I don't know why I'm bringing this up to you guys, but I think every time and, and Lauren Hammersley, I want to bring that up with, she's an actress. She's, she's on um, a show called Virgin river. She was on Mr. D for years. Do we, do you know who it is, Adam? Is it, is it Julian Black Antelope? Yes. Yes, Julian. Thank He's you. He's a handsome man. He's Very handsome beautiful. man. Anyway, Lauren <laughs> Hammersley, uh, she wrote a, a teeny little op-ed on her Instagram a couple weeks ago saying that love scenes and sex scenes were completely unnecessary in, mm-hmm. in television and in movies. Like the full-out simulating sex, she just felt like it was... Um, just a completely over the top thing that didn't need to, to take place and that she was endlessly uncomfortable doing those scenes. And I think there's quite yeah. a bit of that in Virgin River. Yeah, I think that there are some scenes that you it feels gratuitous and exploitative, like you know what they're doing. And it almost makes me at least step outside of the plot line of the, of the film or, or of the television show for a second and go, oh, well, you just threw this in for the sake of it, right? It's like it's like when something weird happens. It's kind of my issue I've had over the years with like David Lynch, where I call it weird for weird's sake. And sometimes it's just sex for sex's sake. And I don't, I don't like that because I don't think it adds anything. And I think it actually takes you away from the character development. And obviously, over time, it has been really problematic for a lot of female actresses. Um, they've all talked, most of the big names in Hollywood have talked about this as being an issue at one point or another, at one film set or another. Um, and, but I do like it in some, I mean, I like, a, I like a well done scene in certain movies, like, especially, I think, in, in um, movies where you don't normally see, especially same sex um, relationships where for so long you didn't see that in any yeah, sort of like representation. Yeah, no, I mean, kissing and being like demonstrative. It. it is, and it's important, but I think it's it's going to these limits when you, or to these places where, if I remember watching stuff with my parents back in the day, they'd come over to my house and we'd watch a movie in the basement. I wouldn't know what was coming. And yeah. when that came up, I couldn't hit fast forward no. quick enough. Oh, because my mom was like, "My God, how, how did they even get their leg like that?" My <laughs> Lord, well, where? And my dad would say, "Where the hell's the camera?" Like, you know. <laughs> so I had to listen to the peanut gallery narrating a sex scene in front of me, and I was just like mortified. I watched a a show called Ammonite, um, just before Christmas. Anyway, Adam wants me to wrap it up, but anyway, there was it, it's, <laughs> it's Kate Winslet and and Cersei, uh, Cersei Ronan, Cersei Ronan, Cersei Ronan, Ronan, and there's a very big love scene. But I'm telling you, it's 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 hieroglyphic. I'll just put that out there. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I'm just like, wow. Anyway, we won't talk about that anymore. It, it's just if I'd been sitting there watching that with with my grandparents or my mother or my sisters or anyway, you needed, you needed an intimacy coordinator w- just to watch it. <laughs> I did. I Good We'll be right back. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> Hi, we're back. And we were talking about intimacy coordinators and I do want to put a button in this conversation because I don't want to sit here and sound like a prude, like, I like seeing that kind of stuff too. I think it's erotic. I think it's healthy. I don't think sexuality should ever be omitted or, but I I think there's limitations. I mean, obviously I have my limitations where I'm just like, "Mm." 
because I worry about the actors so much. I worry mm-hmm. about the actors. So I leave the movie. I leave mm-hmm. the film because I'm worried about who's in the room. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I have a little bit of experience now on a set with 70 people. I know these sets are closed. A lot of times it's the cameraman, the director and the actors. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lighting, everyone leaves. There's no one around. But you made a good point. Like in, in for anyone that's seen The Lighthouse with uh, Robert Pattinson. I mean, there's that there's a, a scene where he's making out with the mermaid thing. There's a scene and where he's not making out with the mermaid thing. He's alone with a mermaid like figurine, and he's very excited about the figurine. We'll leave it at that. And it's intense. It is very very intense. He is v- quite naked. You don't see. It's not full frontal, but yeah. Um, it's you know, I that would be a close set situation. So are you saying sure. that that's a, an important part of? that storytelling you 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 also mentioned the favorite with the the wonderful olivia yes. coleman and emma um emma stone emma and stone. rachel weiss yes and and it was a wonderful film about mm-hmm. their intimate relationships with the queen yeah. at the time i and this, i it, the, i think when you use sex as a, an accurate representation of what's happening in the story and so like in the favorite it very much was a representation of the power struggle that was going on because also you have to remember that on set and in real life, there is a power dynamic to sex. And so I think that's when people can, but be I never left that. I never left that film. Like I didn't wander off going, Oh my no. God, I was so, I, I, it was, everything was done so impeccably. So maybe that's the gauge where you're like, now this is too far because, but then what's too far that, cause somebody else it's might personal. not think that it, ha- yeah, it is it's, personal. It's personal. So like, I, I don't, I need to shut I don't up. agree with like, I don't agree with people thinking, take it out of movies and there's no place for it anywhere. Cause it, there is like, I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I that's that- why I wanted to come back and discuss this a little bit because I'm not, I think it's so important. We in this culture already have too many issues with sexuality Yeah, and that people yeah. don't have access to sexuality. You know, I, I, I have really strong views about prostitution being legalized and yeah. not, you know, because there's just people that are, that have no access to sexuality. Yeah. I and mean, and it makes, and, and, it's, and that's, well, I, I try not to be approved, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of clarify that it is a personal choice. And I'm, I did phone my friend in London to warn him not to watch Ammonite with his 84 year old mother and his 82 year old aunt. And he was very grateful. He says, we watched it on our own and it was quite shocking. Yeah. Cause there are, there are, like you said, there are the scenes where it, it takes you out of the film. And I, or out of the TV show. I found that with Game of Thrones sometimes. I felt like they were just doing it for the sake of doing it and for like the scandalization of, of having nudity. Um, and it went on for too long. And I was like, oh, okay, we get it. <laughs> and then there are moments like in the lighthouse where I was like, this is actually representative of what's happening with the character or in the favorite, so I don't mind. And then there are the cases like the movie I referenced to you in the break, Blue is the Warmest Color, mm-hmm. where I actually thought that it was great for the characters. And then after the fact, I found out that those two actresses were really uncomfortable with what they were being asked to do by the director. So again, that's the old intimacy coordinator's job nowadays. Well, you wonder if that film would be made now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just because of that. Anyhow, moving on, I thought this would be kind of fun. Um, of actors and actresses, that were quite well known at one point and now find themselves doing what people deem as regular jobs. Um, Tara Reid, 
is mm-hmm. uh, we all remember her. She had, you know, quite a few troubles with, with alcohol and, but she was, she was really popular on some of those teen things. American and, Pie, right? Wasn't she an American yeah. Pie? American yep. Pie, but she, she did a couple of series as well. I, I think she, she did really well for herself and then had some trouble. Anyway, she's now a restaurant owner. Which oh, I think cool. is So Tara Reid is a restaurant owner. Bo Derek. What do you think Bo Derek's doing now? Bo Derek was in that, very famous movie 10 speaking of sex and sex scenes that was so fun because it was Dudley Moore falling in love with the most beautiful woman in the world and she was considered the most beautiful woman in the world for a great number of years in her life like where do you go with that I think she was my sexual awakening is that what they call it oh like when I was a kid I think that's what they call it and when I was a kid I'm like wow so I, I think she was my yeah. sexual awakening. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a really sexy, funny rom-com. And that was done really well because we all knew where he was going. He was going to get laid. Anyway, Bo Derek, she sells pet care products for, for bathing your pet. And if you go oh. on Bo Derek pet care products, you'll find like a tearless shampoo for your dog. And that's her company. And she's very passionate about it. She's always been passionate about horses and animal welfare and things like that. But Bo Derek, she did a few movies, but that completely lost interest. Uh, she was married to John Derek, who was a very famous director. John Derek was also married to Linda Evans for a while, if anyone remembers Linda from Dynasty. They looked so much alike, those two women. He definitely had a tight John. And he was handsome. He had, he had uh, like Jackson brown hair, only it was gray. <laughs> so, right. Frankie Muniz. Oh, go ahead. What, yeah. What? Well, I was going to say this is the case for a lot of people, and then they're the ones who make way more money doing their, you know, non Hollywood gig than they ever would have made oh. in Hollywood. Like, look at Jessica Alba with the Honest Company. Yeah. I mean, she was in like Flipper. Jessica was, Simpson. You know, yeah. Exactly. These is are, a gajillionaire are... with her clothing line. Yeah. And everyone and so made fun now. of her for you know why do they call it you know, chicken of the sea. Like she didn't right. understand the tuna thing. Buffalo yeah, wings. And- <laughs> is this chicken what I have or is this fish? I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken by the sea. But Jessica Simpson is smarter. She's one smart, smart business person. Frankie Munez from the very funny, I loved watching the show, Malcolm in the Middle. He is a freaking race car driver. For the Jensen Motorsport Company. No way. Yeah, he drives race cars. I didn't know that. And that's weird. Um, I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller. Remember her, Sarah Michelle Geller? Yeah. Vampire Slayer, uh, right? Yeah, Vampire Slayer. And uh, she's got a, a food crafting company, and I'm not sure what that means, called Foodsters. I'm thinking it's like fresh or. Um, one of those things where you get those food kits, but I could be completely wrong. Anyway, that's what she's doing. Marissa Tomei is doing fitness videos and she was with uh, my, my cousin Vinny. Marissa Tomei, you still see her acting quite a bit, but I'm thinking, I think the time has come you guys for me to do fitness videos. Yes. No, I, I think, you know, as a five foot three size 10 human being, I think, People need to know, how do I do it? How do I keep this sturdy frame? Sturdy. From... <laughs> right? My dad I used don't... to say, you're the sturdiest girl in music. You're just sturdy. Listen, 
what would <laughs> sturdy is not something people I have never I never hear that word in reference to somebody's body, but it's hilarious. My dad said that to me. You're the sturdiest girl in music. Tony Danza, are you ready for this one? Tony Danza yeah. teaches tenth grade high school English in Philadelphia. Okay, that really? I like. That's adorable. There you go. Yeah. I who's love the that. boss? Uh, yeah. yeah, Vanilla Ice, who I know, Rob, we did uh, a show called Canada Sings. He was the nicest, kindest person. He was respectful. Gosh, he was good looking. Oh, man, he was good looking. He's flipping houses. And you guys may have seen him on the D, you know, YI networks or, but he is an, a, he's a brilliant house flipper. Like he does a lot of the construction himself. He's really a handy guy. He's got a beautiful family. They've got every animal under the sun at their house. They've got a huge, huge chunk of land. I think he's still in Florida. But he, when he flips houses, he buys them for like a half a million and flips them for 10 million. Like the guy yeah. is. He came on the morning show, the Chum Morning Show, when I was there to talk to promote his house flipping show. And he was a sweetheart. He was a really, um, he was like fun and affable. And I think he has a pretty good handle on who he was in the eighties and nineties versus now. He said, and he Jan, had- I saved all my money. Yeah. He saved no, he all to- his money. He goes, I knew fun. it. You know, he said, I, I just knew it, but you look like, you know, guys from that era. Um, you know, the guy with the big pants. Who was that? MC hammer. You can't touch this. MC hammer. The fact that you knew that reference, the guy with the big yeah. pants is fun. How much time do I have left, Adam? Are you, you, are you have, pointing uh, at me? Oh, okay. Two left. Okay. Um, I always wonder about child actors that were in iconic films. Like we all know Macaulay Culkin. He had some trouble, but he's come out of it. Um, mm-hmm. His little brother was in uh, that great show. The other Culkin brother. I'm, oh, I'm, Kieran I have Culkin's no facts. In, Kieran. Kieran Culkin is in Succession, my absolute yes. favorite show almost of all time. He plays Fuller in Home Alone. He's the guy that wets the bed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance in the movie The Shining, that little boy oh, that, yeah, you know, Red was rum. so terrified, Red Rum. He left the movie industry and he is a biology professor at Elizabethtown Community and Technical College in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But he still has people that recognize him all these no years later. And yeah, he just was like, I didn't say anything about him being traumatized by the movie. Um, and the woman that played uh, the, in, in The Exorcist, Linda Blair, was- Oh yeah. She went through a lot of stuff after that movie. I no have never seen, so I've I. never seen The Exorcist, <laughs> never watched it. But um, anyway, yeah. I, how did you? How did you like that romp through? I like those. you know, celebrity. Where are they now? Kind of stuff. Cool fact about The Exorcist because I love that movie. Um, is did that you? when? Well, because of what it was at the time. Like if you like, I mean, again, I I did go to school for for film and stuff, so I watched it with a different um, kind of lens yeah. versus just watching it and being scared out of my mind, which I was. But they, they, in the scenes where she's possessed, you can see everyone's breath. And uh, I always loved that detail because I thought it was really visually unsettling without having to mean too much. Yeah. And they actually made the rooms ice cold so that you could see everyone's breath. That wasn't, that wasn't done with any special effect or well, later. They, I it never, was that cold. I never plan on seeing that movie. And if you haven't so seen good. it, don't see it. My friend Nigel. Don't see it. It's great. He's, okay. <laughs> anyway. 
you've been listening to the first episode of 2021 of the Jan Arden Podcast, there's nowhere to go but up from here. Right, guys? <laughs> you got Woo! it. You guys stay safe. This is going to be uh, an unbelievable year of so many firsts. Um, continue to be kind and uh, wear a mask, social distance. We've got a long way to go. Uh, but yeah, anyway, anyway, thanks for listening. Adam, Caitlin, happy new year. Happy new and year. Uh, I'm looking forward to you having your baby, Caitlin. That's lots of great news. And Adam, don't you have any more babies? You've got uh, I think your, we're done. You, okay. All right. Truly do, everybody. Thanks for listening. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.